Hey everyone, I'm Brian Conley of Hunters HD Gold, and you're listening to Season 2 of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. This podcast takes a deep dive into what it takes to be a match director, manufacturer, sponsored shooter, or just an everyday shooter trying to win his or her first major. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Hunters HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to another episode of Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. Today I'm sitting down with a guy who I've watched shoot, I think, since probably nine days of nationals. But y'all may know him um, as Andrew Hyder, and I know him as Andrew Hyder as well. But how you doing, Andrew? Good. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great. Doing really good. So we're here at, um, at nationals. You've um, had everything going so good so far. So we're looking forward to see how everybody finishes up. But look, before we get into where we're at today and where we're at in the shooting world today, um, when did you even first start even thinking about picking up a gun? Was this something you grew up hunting with your family or is this something late in life? It's a very late in life thing. Was it really? I didn't, uh, didn't grow up in a house with guns. Okay. Um, I was a very hyper, uh, younger, uh, child and mom was always afraid. I always had a passion for guns. Mom was always afraid I was going to end up getting hurt. Okay. Um, so fast forward through, uh, which I'm sure we might touch base on, but, my motorcycle racing career and quit racing and concealed carry permits were pretty popular in Ohio, but I didn't pick up a gun until I was probably mid-ish twenties. All right. A lot to discuss before there. Yeah. Yes. I've heard something. Let's go back to um, growing up Yep. and um, living in Ohio. Yep. And your mother was not a fan of guns. Was that she wasn't a fan? She okay. was just, I was so hyper. She was afraid that I was going to be the Tasmanian devil with okay. a gun. And did you ever um, do hunting or anything young? Nope, no, no family members nope, or anything? None of my family members hunted. Okay. Um, grandparents on either side, dad, nobody ever did it. Okay. What kind of activities did you do growing up in school? Um, I played soccer actually for okay. quite a few years. And then okay. um, I was introduced into uh, dirt bikes at right. the age of nine. 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 Oh. That was actually late. That was late for Mo- dirt bikes. Most people start, if you're going to be serious at all at it, they're like three or four. So, okay. The the the, the word you said being serious at it. Yeah. So, there's people starting at three or four years old doing dirt bikes. Yes. I had no idea. Yep. Wow. So, Yamaha makes what's called a PW50. <clears throat> okay. Has a throttle stop. It's a direct drive transmission. You know, no, it, I mean, no manual clutch, no shifting gears. Mm-hmm. And they make training wheels for them. Did you did this at nine was what was what was the driving force behind that? My dad rode street bikes when he was younger. Um, I have a sister that's eight years older than I am. And after she was born, he was almost broadsided at an intersection. And so he sold it. But so he had had some experience riding motorcycles, too. And so the dirt bike was the bonding thing dad and I could do together was Mm -hmm. definitely safer than being on the street. Um, and so we, we did that, um, again, late, uh, I I was nine, probably almost 10 when we started doing that. Wow. When did you start actually competing? I was 11. Oh, you knew that right off the hand. So what, what kind of match was that as far as racing? Like just a dirt track where you see like the heels and stuff? It was motocross. Motocross. Okay. So we were, uh, there was a, a place about. 35 minutes east of where we lived at the time called Honda Hills. And okay. every Wednesday night, they had a ride until midnight. Okay. So we would actually ride under the lights. Wow. So it was pretty cool. So every Wednesday, we would go out and do that. Um, and then that just, it snowballed into, that's what we did as a family. I mean, we uh, 
had the whole 24 foot enclosed trailer and big A-class motorhome, and we right. traveled the country. That's what we did. From um, from start that started at eleven when you started traveling or ten? Uh, 12. 12, twelve. We traveling. started racing at eleven and it got okay. really serious at twelve. So your dad saw something in you? Uh you, he, I think he saw something in me. Um and I, I'm not a big guy. Right. By any means. I mean right. I'm I don't look my age. I'm not I'm not a big guy. So I couldn't I'd never really fit in playing sports in school. Okay. Uh but it, that didn't matter. It was all what you were able to do on the bike. It was um it was an equalizer, honestly. And mm-hmm. so it didn't matter really how big or small you were. You weren't really at a disadvantage. And so we had something that we fit in. And of course, he liked the motorcycle side of it. So it just it snowballed into uh, we became a, a racing family. When you when you do that circuit like that, was this something you just did during the summer? Or were you homeschooled? I was homeschooled, actually. Okay. So I went to uh, public school through seventh grade. OK. And then uh, mom homeschooled me. Um, and we didn't travel full time, but I mean, there's a lot of times mm-hmm. where you're on the road for two or three weeks at a time. Right. Um, and so we, uh, mom homeschooled me and we traveled and raced. Well, was your sister homeschooled as well? Nope. No, nope. She, she graduated from public school. Did, you know, being able to, your sister being eight years older than you, being able to see her experience different things being older. Cause she, but you know, pretty much graduated, I guess she did and had a lot. You saw the experiences she went through. Did you miss any of those experiences you think not at all Wait, okay just curious. i didn't I always worry any... about I always wonder when people are homeschooled yeah they don't know what they're missing if they're the only kid right but there's multiple kids there then they see them going out to prom they see them doing this extra stuff and i know homeschoolings have proms they have their own yeah. things they do yeah. but to me I, i'm i'm an 80s kid it just doesn't seem the same so that's why i asked that question there were a lot of um like for example um in florida <clears throat> there is uh, a week it's actually almost 10 days now, a uh, week long, 10 day long series called the, the Minios. And it's the winter Olympics basically for us. And so there's, you know, TT motocross, supercross style tracks, mm-hmm. and it, it falls right around Thanksgiving time. Right. And so there's always big dinners. There's dancing at night. There's, okay. I mean, so it, it's not like you miss out. You might miss out on school related functions like that, yes. but you're not necessarily missing out on very similar functions in life. Okay. Very cool. So you're on the circuit, you're traveling all around. And how how did you get in the um, in the in the competitive world? So I was fortunate enough to uh, obtain a pro license in a couple different disciplines. Um, I uh, arena cross series uh, into the supercross world. Um, got hurt quite a bit. Um, I've broken forty two bones. Uh, pause. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your mother. Was worried about you being hyperactive with a gun. But the motorcycles <laughs> but were the fine. But the motorcycles were fine yep. with broken bones and <laughs> everything else. Now, before we get into all 42 bones one at a time, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what was the most extreme accident you had that you can talk about? There's been two. Wow. Um, so 9-11-99, actually two years before the World Trade Center incident. Okay. Um, I shattered my entire left arm from the shoulder down. So I dislocated my shoulder. I broke my humerus, dislocated the lower forearm from the elbow joint itself. Right. I broke the ball off the inside of the elbow socket. I broke both of my forearms and shoved them clear to my knuckles inside the skin. Yeah, I'm going to edit in sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Oh, my Lord. And I walked off the track. I actually walked over to the ambulance when it happened. In shock or just the pain didn't kick in yet because of the adrenaline from the, the adrenaline racing? was there. It didn't kick in. Wow. Yep. So that brings a quick good question. So the adrenaline's kicking in. You know something's wrong with your arm. You get in the ambulance. You're laying there. 
How long does it take before the adrenaline dump happens and everything starts hurting? It takes that that one. I, I remember it pretty vividly. Um, w- the racetrack we were at, um, the closest hospital was not a great one. Okay. And so the the ride to the hospital was about 25 minutes. And it mm-hmm. was probably an hour after that before the pain started to set in. Biggest thing I was concerned about was they wanted to cut my gear off of me. So, you know, motocross boots aren't cheap and <laughs> they're like, oh, we're going to cut this off. I'm like, uh-uh, nope, nope. And they're trying, we're going to get the, we're going to cut the jersey. No, well, we how can't old get are this you? off. I was 14. So was mom or dad in the ambulance with them? Uh, mom rode with me. Okay, so dad she, went back so, and packed the rig up. And so, I, this is how big the shooting, or I should say the motocross community is. Yes. When I got hurt, dad and mom and dad went with me to the ambulance and mm-hmm. then a bunch of the other dads actually went and packed our rig up. They put the bikes in the trailer and put the awnings down and made sure the motorhome was buttoned up. So that literally like dad triple checked it and then got in it and drove it. So it's kind of like the shooting sports. You had a whole nother family. Very much. But in motocross. Yep. That's so cool. Very similar. So cool. But it's also very competitive in motocross. Motocross and shooting are very similar because it's not a team sport. It is a very individual sport. And were you doing things that are stock or could you do any little tweaks on your bike? You oh, we were, to? Yeah, we didn't ride anything that was hardly stock. Okay. Cause what reason I'm asking that question, you know, there's all these things that, you know, tweak here, tweak here. And, you know, a lot of, I've seen, I've been to races before and I'm not in a motorbike, but in, in other, you know, racing car thing situation where, you know, there's lines you don't cross because there's so much things going on that people are doing something to their bike. They don't want anybody else to see. Right. Same environment. Very much. Wow. Wow. So. How long did it take for the adrenaline dump to hit and the pain to it was, kick in? It was probably an hour and a half. An hour and a half. And you yep. were already at the hospital? We were at the hospital. Um, they uh, they set the upper arm. And that was after they set the upper arm, they didn't realize how bad the lower one was until they actually got the jersey off and then took x-rays. Mm-hmm. And so then they reset. They set the lower arm. They actually put the, the arm back in socket wow. and then set the, the forearm. Um, and they, they splinted it. Um, and then at that point they knew the hospital was small enough. There's nothing they could do. So then we started the three hour drive to Columbus. Oh, wow. Yep. And on medication. Probably. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Not that we know a lot of medications are at 14 years old, You're right. but we know what pain is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever think of the moment you may not ride again based on how damaged it was? At that moment, I didn't until we went to the surgeon. Okay. And, um, I, I remember the the surgeon that did the name his, or that did the the operation. His name was Doctor Pop, and mm-hmm. he walked in and looked at it, and he goes, "This is uh, he was a, a arm and hand specialist in the Columbus area." Okay, and he was like, "This is one of the worst I've seen." He goes, "You'll probably never ride a motorcycle ever again." And I don't know if if he said that as motivation mm-hmm. or if he truly believed that I would never gain enough range of motion to right. ride a motorcycle again. But you just sound like it gave you motivation. It, it did because I don't want someone to tell me I can't do something. What, what did did mom and dad freak out when they heard the news more than you, or is everybody? What did that look like? Was it calm or is it? It, it was calm. Yeah. Um, you could tell mom was probably she was more thinking of like, okay, well, what I, I, from my standpoint, it was what can we do to bridge that gap? Mm-hmm. And my physical therapist um, after the operation, her name was Tammy, such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to her and she said the same thing. She's like, this is one of the worst ones I've ever seen. Wow. Um, I healed up a lot faster than they were anticipating. I should have started physical therapy almost two weeks earlier. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of scar tissue to work through. Right. Um, and the surprising part is she gave me those really big rubber bands that different 
colors. Yes. So they're different, different strengths. Yep. And we lived out in the country. So we had well water. Okay. And I don't know what made me think of it, but we had a towel rack in the shower. Okay. And um, I remember getting in the shower and tying the rubber band to the towel rack and turning the water as hot as I could stand it and just doing water therapy in the shower on my own accord. I didn't ask her about it. I just kind of popped in my head one day mm -hmm. and from going to therapy from a Tuesday to a Thursday, I came in on Thursday and she was like, did you fall on this? I'm like, no, why? And she's like, because you have 60% more range of motion than you did on Tuesday. So what did you do? Mm -hmm. And so I told her and she's like, well, whatever you're doing, keep it up. Did it hurt? Oh, it hurt extremely bad besides the hot water and i mean i'm not yeah. I, I say that you know just not knowing because i never had a major scar tissue mm -hmm. is is very tough to break up wow it's very painful to do yeah wow do you remember how the wreck happened i do uh it was that, a, to have both your arms or what was one both but you know messed up like that it what, was just the left one just okay um it was um so it was 99 um i was i was an intermediate rider at the time um, I was riding a, uh, 1999 Suzuki arm 250. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was the second moto. They always run a two moto format. It was the second moto on a supercross track in Nelsonville, Ohio. The track was called action sports. Wow. And, um, I, uh, I was out front huge lead. And as I'm coming around a double apex left-hand turn to what's the finish line, they're waving the white flag for one lap to go. Right. And as the front wheel leaves the takeoff of the finish line jump, the bike falls into a false neutral. And the that's the portion, that's the last drive you have. And so I lost all drive off the face of the jump. And basically what happened is um, front wheel drops. You can change the pitch of the bike in the air with either throttle or mm -hmm. locking up the back wheel. So okay. if the front end's high, you can pull the clutch in, lock the back wheel up, and drop the front wheel. That's how they always do that when they're doing that last lap. Yep. Thing. Through the, through going through the checkered flag. I yep. remember, okay, yep. makes sense. I've seen yep. it. I was like, going, it's like riding a BMX bicycle. How are they doing this much control? But yep. it's, it's in the brake and the clutch. Brake and the clutch, yep. Okay. Or if the front end's down, you can actually rev the bike, mm -hmm. spin the rear wheel, and it it, it lifts and, the front. And actually lifts yep. the front. Yep. Okay. Um, and so bike falls into false neutral. I'm I'm basically nose diving into the landing. Well, when you, what they call whiskey throttles, when you grab a handful of gas, when you bend your wrist, you can't lock your elbow. If you think about it, if you try to do it, you can't lock your elbow. So when That's I right. impacted the landing of the jump, leaning back, my left arm was locked, right arm had the throttle wide open. Mm -hmm. So it blew everything out on the left arm and the right basically just acted as a shock absorber. Wow. 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 Well, thanks for sharing that with me. So that, I just like, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen motocross before plenty of times and it's always usually the big races I watch, you know, there's so many races, just like anything else in the, in the sports industry, but when you get the final or something, it's kind of interesting to see. So yep. how far did you go So you, how long were you off a bike before that happened again? Uh, before you got back on? Three months. Three months. And then when you started riding again was everything new kind of like time like taking three months off shooting a gun is it like um, getting it, back on it again i or? mean you lose the edge of course okay um but i took it pretty easy getting okay. back on a bike um i didn't want to push the issue it was more of just let's go play around and make sure the arm's good and then mm -hmm. you gradually work back into it and then before long you're back at race pace yeah because the arms are very important for the shock of the and complete control i mean yeah because you're pushing and pulling a lot in those turns throttle manipulation front brake clutch you wow. know, bar pressure. Wow. And how long did you do that after the accident? 
Um, I did not quit racing until December of 2008. Wow. So almost 10 years. Did you ever get any major sponsors and stuff like that? I did. Um, so after I had actually almost quit, um, after reaching the professional level, I got hurt a bunch more and it, those <laughs> tracks are just really gnarly and it's hard to find something similar to train on. Okay. Um, and so I almost quit. And then that was when the supermoto series, um, the AMA brought it back to the U S from, from Europe. Okay. And so basically it's a motocross bike and you make a bunch of mods to it and you race them with slick tires, like road race slicks on sport bikes mm -hmm. on an oversized go-kart track, but they still have a motocross section. So you go in the dirt, and jump the bike with slick tires. And so I had a buddy that had a bike built and he convinced me to come out and try it and new fun, something different. Uh, so I, I kind of, I dove into that for a bit. Mm -hmm. And so that was the end of 2005. And then I raced the whole AMA supermoto series, 2006, seven and eight. Uh, I had some support from Yamaha in six and seven. And then I had uh, a deal with American Honda in 2008. Nice. Because at what point were you not sponsored by your parents anymore? At what age was that? You know, you start doing it on your own or they threw you, were they helping you out through the whole process or were they, at, uh, what, at what point are you like, all right, um, this is costing a lot of money and we're not gonna be able to travel with you as much. I was probably 18 or 19 okay. when, they, when they started to, to, you know, pull the reins back in a little bit, okay. but that was about the time that sponsors really started to step up and, and help cover a lot of costs to do that. Wow. Very cool. Did, um, you ever podium or anything in, in some major races? I've been top fives, nice. top fives, never top three, but I've been right. top fives. Yep. And that's because you started at nine and not three. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Nice. Nice. So we're 18 going into this. And in 2008, when did, um, you know, you said earlier about a pistol permit was an easy thing to yep. do. When, what, what was your interest to go buy a gun for the first time? Uh, just really to, uh, to, to carry a gun every day. Um, I mean, you, you, as you become more and more of an adult and you hear what's going on in your surroundings and in your cities. Who was your influence? No one. I on just, your own? Yep. Played video games? Nope. So nothing? Nope. Just on your own? I was like, I think I'm going to educate myself with firearm safety. And so I went to the local gun store. And well, what did mom and dad think about that? Uh, at that point, they were mom was totally good with it. And then okay. it actually sparked dad's interest. And he was just like, well, maybe I'll do it with you. Really? So then I ended up with a gun and then he went and I went with him and he bought a gun and we took our concealed carry class together and right. then we were, you know, shooting once or twice a month, you know, just go to an indoor range and shoot 50 right. or hundred rounds. What was the first gun you bought? Glock 26. Glock 26. Still got it today. It sounds like I don't. You don't. I regret we, the selling way you, it. The way you said it with a smile, it's like you still had it. I didn't know. No, no. Unfortunately, it, I did it. it off. Mm. Well, that, that's cool because you went to a gun range of your dad. So you kept that situation of you know doing some stuff together when you start off with motorcycles and now yep. you you took guns a little bit when did you okay what did at a gun range there's a lot of things going on a lot, yep. of, a lot of people you can run into so was was idpa your first thing or uspsa what did, i was randomly on youtube okay youtube and i f somehow i came across a three gun video three gun and i'm like okay. that looks like a ton of fun Okay. And so I hadn't, I had quit racing. So this was probably, I want to say 2010, okay. 2011 maybe. And so I, uh, I'd quit racing and, and, um, I was actually working at a motorcycle shop as a tech trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I found this video and I'm like, this is going to replace racing. I mean, I was, I didn't have anything that I was doing, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm 
always not necessarily want to be a busybody, but you know, I've, I've always had something to do from a young age until now. Now all of a sudden I'm in my, I'm in my mid twenties. I got nothing to do. I'm like, what do I do in my weekends? Right. Nothing. So I bought an AR and I bought a shotgun and, and went and shot a local three gun match. I'm like, this is awesome. Until I did it like three or four times and feeding three guns is not great to do. Or <laughs> people say it's three times the fun, but it's also three times the problems. <laughs> yep. And so, uh, that was, I, I ran into someone there that did it. That was just shooting three gun for fun, but they were primarily a USPSA shooter and they okay. were like, okay, so this club shoots USPSA on this day every month. And so I went down mm-hmm. and watched and that was when I saw an open gun for the first time. I'm like, okay, this, wow. is, this is this is where I need to be. Well, let's take a quick break. Listen to, from our sponsor real quick, and we'll get into what you thought when you saw your first open gun compared to, I'm sure, seeing an, if you do motorcycles open, <laughs> everything yes. can be done to it. So I'm starting to see some correlations. So yep. let's take a quick break. This week's podcast is brought to you by Kana Gold. Kana Gold is a premier lifestyle brand for those who work hard and play harder. There are many hemp companies out there that get lost in the crowd, but Kana Gold sets the gold standard with its premier line of products. When traveling all around with a magical mystery tour to different matches, I travel around with lots of different flavors, including pink grapefruit, candy apple, and vanilla cherry. Make sure to stop by and get some for yourself. They are all zero calories, zero sugar, use organic hemp, and are THC and CBD free. Competitive shooters love them because there's no shakes, no headaches, and no crash. When when you order from conagoldhemp.com, make sure to use discount code HUNTERSHD for another 20% off. So you saw your first race gun or your open gun, open I should gun, say, yep. open gun. Besides it being extremely loud, what was your draw to it? Just how fast they were shooting them. Okay. So, I mean, there are a lot of good guys that can shoot production guns, limited guns, single set guns fast, but open's just a different animal. You remember which manufacturer it was? I, I don't. Okay. Just I just curious. remember seeing a comp gun with a red dot and right. how fast they were shooting it. And I'm like, oh yeah. That's, wow. That's where I that's where I need to be. So it were you um were you dating or married at this time? Was not. Okay. So you're still single. Yep. So you're going to USPSA match, you see an open gun, and you th- does this intrigue you as far as the the same kind of way that you you know, worked on your bike all the time and you see people over in the safe area working on their gun all the time. I'm yep. just kidding. Not no, everybody's you're, like you're that. right though. You're right. <laughs> Do you know, what was the, what, what really, you know, you've been competitive since you were, you know, nine or 10 years old. Did USPSA, was that really the ticket you think? Absolutely. Hit you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I doing a little research and you see what open guns cost even back then. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I can, I'm not, I'm not going to swing that. So I actually built my first, open gun it was a g17 i okay. drilled holes in the frame and put the the sjc scope mount bushings in and you did all this yourself did all of it myself just like my working basement. on a motorcycle yep i built my first open gun fit the kkm barrel put the big comp on it yeah. now develop load data and <laughs> the and, fuel <laughs> and right and i shot i shot open a little bit just to kind of get the feel for it and realize that i that that is for sure where i needed to be okay so I came home from a local match one day and I opened the safe and I'm like, what can you sell that you're never going to miss? And so I liquidated a bunch of guns and right. had Matt Sheely build me an open gun. Did he really? Yep. Very cool. Very cool. And I, when you first get in USPSA, you you know, 
some people do classifiers, some people do everything else. Where did you, when you first got your classification, where'd you come in at? I was a B shooter. A B shooter. B, B open shooter. I was okay. B for one, one, and this was back when they would update it once a month. Okay. And so I came out of B a month later, I was an A, a month later, I was an M. Okay. And so, and then in October of that year, actually, when I got back from nationals, I had actually got my G card. Did you take any training from anybody? I used to hang out with Steve Anderson a little bit. Yeah. And we would train yeah, a little bit Z together. He's in Zanesville. So that's right down the... Yep. So you found, and you, he actually used to live in Grove City. So he was okay. even closer. So oh, okay. we used to train a little bit on Mondays together because we were both off on Mondays. And um, um, I now, was, this is back when he was shooting all the time. Correct. Okay. Yep. So, so you met him in a match? Um, I didn't meet him at a match. Actually, one of the guys from the local gun store introduced me to him. Okay. Uh, again, he was in buying a gun, whatever, and mm -hmm. did an introduction. And and Steve and I actually, um, uh, he traded me a couple of shooting lessons for some motorcycle lessons. What? Really? Yep. He had a, um, I can't remember what Honda he had, uh, but he had a big twin, uh, kind of sport touring bike. And at, the, at that time, I had a Yamaha R6 uh, sport bike. And so we went out and did a little riding together and tried to get him up to speed a little bit. So what was your experience? Cause we know Steve now uh -huh. and we know how he's very good at what he does. Very um, animated. And, and now he's doing so much now with mental management, which is just a, a gift that he's been able to be able to give other people. What was your first experience when you first met Steve Anderson? Oh, uh, Steve is a, he is a wild child. <laughs> he is a 12 year old boy in a 40 something year old body. Right. That is just Steve. Like he's got a big heart. And I see, I see him in Van Halen shorts, like at the gun range. Oh, I, I wasn't back in the day back then. The same, <laughs> the same, the same. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's awesome. A hundred percent. That's always, that, that is just Steve's MO. He's been yeah. that way. He's just true to his colors. So when he, when he, when he was training you, what did you, what were your biggest takeaways from Steve back in the day? Even back then, and I wasn't mentally mature enough to understand it like I am now, but back then I didn't realize how much of a mental game the sport really was. Okay. Like you had, to, you have to be able to shoot the gun, but you have to be able to shoot the gun under pressure. Okay. And I didn't, uh, I did not take away as much of that as I, as I wish I would have. I didn't put as much emphasis on it as I wish I would have. But you're riding a motorcycle under pressure. Why is it different? Just because I was so new to the shooting sport and I had, you know, in, in, in dry fire, I had obtained all of this gun handling skill in a short period of time. Okay. I, my mental side was I haven't been in the sport long enough to deserve where I'm at. Okay. And so that was just me not kind of accepting or embracing where I had, I had put in the work. Mm -hmm. But again, I didn't have any match experience, hardly at all, other than shooting some club matches. And I think I've shot 2013 was my first full year. So I shot the Ohio State Championship and the Michigan sectional. So I shot two majors. That's not a lot. Wow. Okay. Did you have you taken further classes from from Anderson on, on stuff just nope. back in the day? Yep. Because that's before he was doing mental management, right? Correct. So I take that back. I did do a mental management class with him. Um, not this, it would have been two winters ago. Okay. Yep. He called me and was like, Hey, I got a spot in. You want to jump in on this? I'm like, yeah, sure. Appreciate it. So I jumped in and did, uh, I did do a mental management class with him. This was during COVID. So we did it via live stream. So zoom after that many years of shooting mm -hmm. and then taking the online mental management side, were you shocked at how much you learned? Yes. Even on top of that? Yep. So that's cool yeah. because you, that means you're, you know, you do two ways to look at that. One, you realize your maturity level of where you got to be at, or two, you realize that you still have a lot to learn 
for mental management in your mental game. And it's both. Okay. It is both because I definitely realize I'm more mature now, but I still don't have a hundred percent grasp on it. It's a, it is still an, a daily learning um, phase when it okay. comes to mental, ment- at least for me to the mental management side. Okay. So with all the experience and you started building your own gun and then you got somebody else to build you a gun, you know, how long did it take before you got noticed by infinity back in the day? Um, so was it was always that the first team you shot with. And the reason I'm saying that when I met you was 18 yep. and you were already with infinity. Yep. So there, there may be somebody else. You was it. Were you with anybody nope. else before then? Nope. I shot Matt's gun, um, all of 13 mm-hmm. and 13. I trained a lot and kind of got burned out mm-hmm. 14. I just tried to, I took a step back and shot a couple majors and a couple club matches here and there and tried to make it fun again. Right. And <clears throat> try to make it fun again. When you you had a little downtime where it wasn't as fun. Yeah. When um, I mean, I was dry firing two hours a day, six days a week. I was trying to shoot at least two to three club matches a month. You know, I, I wanted to bridge the gap for all those years of not being behind a gun. Okay. And I wanted to be a, I wanted to to be a top shooter. And so the only way you're going to get there is you got to put in a ton of time behind the gun to do it. Right. And so like going to I went to nationals in 2013 and actually getting on the plane, I didn't even want to go. I was so worn out. I was so done. I was just ready for a break. And so I went to nationals and had a horrible performance. I finished 88th with 290 penalty points. It was a It seems like a lot. It was a lot. (laughs) It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, But I took all winter off Mm -hmm. and it kind of re-energized the batteries. I got back behind the gun the following April Mm -hmm. and shooting was fun again. Okay. And so I forced myself not to take it so serious. If I was going to dry fire, I wouldn't dry fire for more than 10 or 15 minutes. And I forced myself to put the gun away. Um, I didn't force myself to shoot a match every weekend. I just, again, tried to, tried to make it fun. And that, that played a huge role into the success of where I grew as a shooter in 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, Indiana sectional was, a week or two before nationals and Max Michelle was there. Lescar was there back when Lescar was shooting for a Kai. And, um, I finished third at that match and actually Max Lescar and I were, were fairly close as far as, you know, especially for me, when I say close, we were, you know, I was within probably three or 4%. Right. And that was where infinity had a couple team guys there and had never noted, never seen my name. And so the question was asked to Joe Rutowski, like, right. who is this guy? And Joe's like, he's a local guy, puts in a bunch of work, whatever. And so that was when the phone call came from Brandon wow. about so, joining the team. So Joe was kind of your advocate yes. in the Ohio area. Yep. Very cool. Yep. So Joe, Joe, um, had a lot of good things to say about me and Brandon reached out and, and, uh, it's, it's a really funny story. So, um, there's a gentleman who's no longer with us. His name's Kendall Merrill. Okay. And, uh, Kendall was kind of like a second dad to me. And, uh, older, like big shooter, um, but, um, has a, a lot of history in the car racing world too. So that's where we got along so well. Cause he was retired from that and wasn't at the racetrack anymore. The shooting replaced that for him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking to him and after Brandon called me and, and, um, I actually wasn't going to go to Texas. I, I, I wasn't, I had been talking to another builder and that didn't go very well. And I had kind of mm-hmm. had a bad taste in my mouth about shooting for someone at all. And right. Kendall was like, you have to go do this. And I I was so stubborn about it that he actually ended up booking my flight and was like, you're going to Texas. <laughs> wow. So he booked my flight and I went down and Brandon's wife, Tiffany picked me up at the airport yeah. and we stopped and had lunch and went back to the factory and hung out for a long weekend and shot a local together. And right. it was that, that was the end of that. Wow. 
So that was a whole nother experience altogether. And when you, you know, being there with that entire, the family, cause I, I've been to that, that, that area before and it's very close family. Very it's, much so. It's really neat how they put a lot of things together to make sure, you know, everybody's in on the same page as far as, you know, taking care of each other, Yep, which is a good thing. Um, you shot for them for how long? Almost seven years. Almost seven years. So yep. you're one of their seasoned shooters along with um, Joe and, and you know, I think like Les, Les Gar left Akai. He went. He, he came. He came. I think he, he came, came on board in 16, I yep. believe. Because I remember. 16 I, or so. I remember in 18. That's when I started seeing a lot of people I knew. Yep. That, it was, that was there. So you saw a lot of um, up and downs with Infinity through those seven years, I'm sure. Different things change because families change, life yep. changes, and everything happens. Did you have your girlfriend when you was working at Infinity, when you were shooting for Infinity, or did you meet her during that time? So I actually was uh, dating someone. And we got married. We're together two years, uh, got divorced. Um, and then um, after that is when I met Christy. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. So th- I've been with them through a lot of ups and downs. Um, oh, so they were there to help you through a lot of that then? Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yep. yep. Very cool. So it was, I, they, I mean, there's just been, a, there's a lot of history there. You yes. Know, both, both on both sides for, you know, everyday life things happen. Right. Um, so yeah, I, they've been, uh, I, I, again, it was, it was a good almost seven year run mm-hmm. with them. Yep. And Christy came on board while you were with infinity as well. Correct. Cool. Yep. And she's been pretty supportive. Was she always supportive of a shooting from the very beginning? From the very beginning, her dad is uh, ex-military and retired from law enforcement. So she grew up shooting guns with her dad. Yeah. And so she didn't even know that this type of shooting sport existed. Right. And so I took her to a match and she was hooked from the very beginning. And That's so, so cool. she she loves to travel with me, loves mm-hmm. to be here, loves to watch, not just me, but watch all of the other shooters. Right. Um, loves to, you know, help film and whatever. She's uh, She's been a huge supporter. She has a lot of fun and just has fun with everybody around. Yes. She's not, she's not just sitting by herself in a corner. Correct. If, if you're there to be made fun of, get in line. She, she's <laughs> going she's gonna to jump on board and make fun of you as well. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, that's cool. So, and y'all have had a kid together now. Yep. And that's been crazy. Jax so. is six months old today. Oh, my goodness. Six months today. Today. All right. It's his first kid too, right? It's her second, her second. my first. There you go. Well, yep. I was, I don't know how old you I was 30 years old when my first son was born. So it just turned my life upside down. So. I was 37. Oh, Lord. Yep. All right. Yeah. Yep. You're pretty much setting your ways at 37. You know, yes. I, I disappeared for the first four years when Zach was born because I didn't, it was just too much for me. I, I worked, I became a workaholic. I didn't disappear, yeah. Yeah. but I became a workaholic real quick. Right. Because like, this is too much. Right. <laughs> but that's so cool that you're getting to experience that. And now other opportunities have come up where, you know, I'm looking at you today. People are watching on, on YouTube. They're like, Team NPA, you know, life changes, relationships change. A lot of things happen in the world. How did you find out about, you know, MPA? So I work in the gun industry. I work for a, a large retailer in, in Ohio. Okay. And um, so my job title there is I'm the firearms buyer for the, the company. So okay. we have four four retail stores. We have an internet division that operates under a different name. Okay. So I do all of the gun buying for the entire company. Okay. So you've known about working in the gun store industry or gun industry. You've known about, you know, Masterpiece Arms for a long time. Yet. I've been buying their products for our, our company. Um, it was one of the first lines I took over when I became became a buyer in 2014. The rifle lines mm-hmm. and precision, and precision stuff. It started with defenders. 
first, which okay. is kind of like a Mac 10 clone. Okay. Um, and then precision rifle guns, okay. um, which then you know, they did PCC guns for a very short period of time. And mm-hmm. then the whole DS nine and, and DS 40 guns. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I've known Phil for quite a few years. Right. Um, and always talking to him. There's a buy group show in Texas. I see him at once a year, every February. Mm-hmm. So I always make it a point to stop by and say hi and shake his hand and, you know, just kind of BS for a few minutes. And, right. Um, so I've, I had a relationship with those guys in a different facet than I do now. Okay. Cause they, they went from people that knew who they were to a situation of pretty much being very active in the shooting sports. So, how did the conversation go about, you know, you being on the team? Um, I was, Phil had actually called me about something work related okay. and um, kind of alluded to, you know, him having some interest in me being a part of the team. Very and cool. uh, I was under a contract with infinity. Of course. And so I told him, I'm like, you know, I appreciate the offer, but you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to ride my contract out. You know, maybe we can touch base at the end of the year. Okay. And at that point, um, we just kind of left it go. Mm-hmm. There were some things that transpired not long after that, that, right. that told me I need to make a decision for myself at okay. which then I, I sent in my resignation to infinity, right. terminated my contract right. and uh, negotiated a deal with Phil. Nice. Were, were you anxious or nervous? When you finally reached out to say, hey, remember we talked about a year or two ago, you know, where are you at now? What does that, you know, what does that conversation look like when you, when you call somebody out? Those conversations are always a little nerve wracking. That's why I asked the question, because there's a lot of people who don't have the experience that you do. Yeah. And they're looking how to get involved with other sponsors in some way. And, you know, the ultimate sponsorship is a a race gun or ammo. (laughs) So when you had that conversation, because you made a decision like it's time for, a th- I think it's time for a change. I don't know yet. Yep. And let's just see. Yep. So how'd that go? It, it, well, it, I say it went well, but it went, what, it went what, very what well. the details look like? I want to know Phil that. Is, uh, Phil is, is a very easy person to work with. Okay. Um, he, uh, when we had a conversation on the phone and, and I asked him, um, I said, what does this relationship look like to you? What, what is it that you're looking for from me? And okay. so we, we discussed a few things and, and then he asked that question in return. He goes, I've, I've never had somebody ask me that, but what, what are you looking for from us? Right. And so I told him and surprisingly he goes, and what else? And I'm like, that's it. And he was like, no, there's gotta be something else. I'm like, Nope, I, this is, this is all I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And so we finalized it all in about 30 minutes. It right. was a pretty easy deal. And, um, so once, once my, once I, uh, uh, I, I had broken all ties with infinity, mm-hmm. his gunsmith, David got me a gun and, mm-hmm. uh, started to do a little testing there. Right. And now we're here. So when you, when you get a gun from David yep. and you're, 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 you know, he sends you a gun to say, you know, cause David's very, um, aggressive in trying to fit the needs of the competitive shooter the right way. Because he's, I mean, he's a true competitor. Yes, in his own himself, right. himself. Yeah. Yep. But everybody has their different kind of thing. Not everybody wants a. Let me see if I can remember. Thirteen ounce trigger. I think you have. That is correct. <laughs> not everybody. Not everybody has a thirteen ounce trigger. That is just <laughs> stupid for no reason. I'll tell you that in your face. You have no reason to need a 13, 13 ounce trigger. I don't care what anybody says. But no, I'll get inside. So when you when you when you get the gun, 
and you go shoot it for the first time, what's your thoughts? The gun was great out of the box. Okay. Um, we, we did some testing, um, and, and David had done a lot of preemptive testing to start with. Okay. Um, but he had asked me, he was like, Hey, when you shoot this, like I want honest feedback. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from having a lot of years of, of shooting infinities and then, um, shooting his gun, I, I, their barrels are crazy fast. And so I basically told him. What do you mean him, by crazy? I don't understand that terminology. Ba- barrels fast. What does that so mean? Velocity barrel's wise. a barrel, right? No, no. no? So like ammo that I had loaded for my nine major gun from infinity mm-hmm. was a hundred feet per second faster out of the MPA gun. Really? Yeah. I thought the chrono was broke when I checked it. Right. And it wasn't because I checked it through three chronos. So it actually made power factor even higher. Correct. Wow. Which means you could pull back on it. And, and theoretically, make the gun softer, the right? Off. Either that or just bleed the gas off. Okay, so you, you told him you needed to bleed some gas off? And then all of a sudden, there's another gun that shows up with a bunch more holes in the barrel. <laughs> How many holes can you put in a barrel? At what point do we not have a barrel anymore? I've seen so many holes in barrels sometimes. Yours a lot. Yeah. So Ours have five. Right. Five. <laughs> <laughs> and we're shooting nine major. Right. So it's uh, and it's a completely, completely different setup than what I was running before with right. with Infinity. It's a completely different gun. Okay, the 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 way it fits in your hand is there any similarities there at all, or is it you know um, is is a grip a grip? No, grips are grips are unique to their own. And okay, it's, it's definitely not anything like the the gun fits my hand very well. Okay, and, so how much did you have to change in your shooting style? Um, uh, not a ton. Okay. Um. A few thousand rounds, get used to some timing okay. and then, you know, tune in triggers, maybe playing with some spring weights here and there, or mm-hmm. spring manufacturers at that point. Um, and then it was just about getting down to training. So when you told him 13 ounces, did you actually use that terminology? And it, it's like, what? I told him one pound. <laughs> one pound. And okay. he was like, I don't know if I can do that. And okay. so I told him, I said, you're probably not going to be able to. Okay. And so he, he worked for hours on a sear and a hammer. <laughs> and he calls me and tells me what weight he's got it at. And I was like, that's fine. Just go ahead and send me the gun. And I was like, but send me some extra trigger parts. And he was like, okay. So he does. And oh, I see where this is going. Continue. So <laughs> I get the gun and I play with the trigger for mm-hmm. about an hour and, and I can't get it to where I want it. So then I recut parts myself mm-hmm. and take a picture of the trigger pull gauge and send it to him. And all I get from him is how. <laughs> doesn't matter right we're, we're not even going to discuss it it's not yes. important. You're, you're the you're the race car driver you're the motorcycle driver in the garage and you don't come across the line it's not important right <laughs> so uh he goes because it's dangerous anyway <laughs> it's not that dangerous no but i you know we're not going to put kenzie in that <laughs> no no we would not do no, that not, not chaos kenzie no no that would be bad news <laughs> she does my marketing for Y'all that don't know who's listening, Kenzie Fitzpatrick, you know, three gun Kenzie, but we gave her a new name. I heard she got a new nickname of Chaos Kenzie, which I thought was kind of cool. So it's very fitting. (laughs) It's very fitting. It's very fitting. (laughs) So you come into a new team. Yep. You come into new leadership. You come into um, Travis Tomasi's already there. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's team captain. Correct. And you've got other shooters that are already there established or, or, or getting established. Yep. And there are things that starts to to roll. How how were the um, coming into a new? We'll let's call it. We'll call it a family of family. Coming into a new family with the beautiful beard that you actually cut two inches off of before the match. I'm very disappointed. But <laughs> anyway, coming into that, were you nervous to come into a new shooting family? 
the, it's it, yes, I was. I'm not going to deny that I wasn't. You, you want to make sure there's a fit, mm-hmm. you know, that you fit in and you get along with everyone and, and that there's good chemistry. Um, but I can tell you that everyone there has been extremely welcoming, open arms. It's It's been great. Uh, basically, the whole team, we're all housed together and we, we've all just had a great time. Right. Very cool. So it's this awesome. is so this 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 is the first time you've all been together at once. All first time we've been together all at the same time. Good deal. Yep. And not too long ago, like four days ago, I think there was a another senior partner that came in. So uh, when you, when you heard that might happen, what were your thoughts? I kind of helped facilitate that. Okay. Yes. Okay. So. Um, Mel, yes, is uh, yes. Mel is is a great friend, and um, we uh, uh, have always gotten along from day one. Yes, and after he saw me shoot the ten- the videos of me shooting the Tennessee sectional, he called me and he's like, "Are the guns really that good?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "They are really that good." And um, he was looking for some more support, mm-hmm. um, and so I had made a phone call. And put in a good word. And uh, David got to work on some guns for him pretty quickly and mm-hmm. got Mel taken care of. And Mel's very happy with the change as well. That's so awesome. Yep. Is it because I've even I've only been doing this around the shooting sports, I think going on five. This is the fifth year I've yep. been doing this. And I see a lot of changes. Yep. I've even seen some some manufacturers come and go or still be there but not be involved as much. And I see just people come out of nowhere. I'm like going, I'm MPA masterpiece arms and yeah, I remember that rifle. I didn't know they were doing yep. race guns. So this is a whole other avenue for for Phil the owner, correct? It is. He's he's a very accredited rifle shooter. So right. the, the the pistol game is is very different for him. Are you having to educate him? That's Travis's job. <laughs> That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna leave that to Travis. <laughs> okay. Okay. Is he excited? Uh, Phil. Yes. Oh, he's very excited. That's so cool. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Because, you know, he's supported so much of precision and I'll, I'll get to talk to him at some point, but he's done a lot around precision from what I've heard talking yep. to Travis. Absolutely. And everything else he's already done. So to be able to come over to another sport is I, I guess it's got to be kind of um, scary for him as well. Right. I mean, I'm sure because he doesn't have a lot of experience with with the whole pistol game. Right. Um, but he has. uh Phil has that mentality and the attitude that he, he, he has no problem jumping in with both feet. And he has absolutely done that. Wow. And it's, uh, it, there's a lot of good things that are coming from the company. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, uh, you haven't seen the best yet. And they're another company that makes majority of their parts in house, right? They, they are outsourcing very few things. Yeah. Pretty much everything else is done in, in house. That's so cool. Cause when you can do that, you have so much more quality control that you can, that you can handle. And so many more things to get it just right. So that's so cool. And you have the ability to make changes on the fly. Right. You know, if they find a design change that's going to be better for the gun all around, then Mm -hmm. they can just implement that and be done. They don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. How did Phil, I'll ask him if you can't answer, but how did, how do you think Phil, or if y'all even talked about it, felt about major power factor when that first came out with the nine major gun? I, he didn't have a concern because of the prior relationship when, when Bobby was around. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was enough conversation and data that they had to to support being able to do that. So I don't I don't really think he was too concerned about it, mm-hmm. especially with you know they're known for barrels. I mean that's right. that's what they're known for, and and their their guns their guns are great by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, their rifles, but he's not he's not a stranger to high pressured cartridges by any means. Okay, 
Do you think, get on USPSA subject, do you think power factor should change to a lower power factor based on nine major and everything that's out there? How do you feel about that? I, I don't. It, it I, When I say this, I don't care either way. Okay. I, I'm, if it went to 160, I don't know that I would try to chase the the 165 right okay. I, I mean i uh i did a courtesy check yesterday out of the match gun and it was 171 and a half and i, I can't tell a difference from 165 to 170 okay so i i mean i understand why people why it's done in europe because of pressure issues yeah uh, guns blowing up and a safety thing but i i it, uh, i could care less well that's so cool well we, we've had a, so much fun you know, when I got to know you, I'm running around. I met you. I think I met you at nine days of nationals the first time and yep. we hit it off pretty quick with everything. And then, of course, being at other nationals together, I've watched you shoot a couple of times and, you know, you're on the super squad. Good bit. Congratulations. Thank you. And you get out there and you're pretty aggressive with, with, the, with the scoring and everything else. You're wanting to make sure a call is a call and the right call. And do you feel you are the same shooter you were? Five years ago, you think there's it's, it's changed a little bit through the years. Uh, I definitely think I've changed a bit as a shooter, not only shooting style but also how you approach the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would definitely say that I'm I'm probably not the same person or shooter I was five years ago. Very cool. Is it more just kind of you know having more patience with the process? What do you think that is? Patience, I think um, experience. You know, the more nationals that you shoot, the more knowledge that you you will take away. I mean, you're on the squad with you know basically eleven other of the best shooters in the country, mm-hmm. and uh, not that there's other great shooters no, that no. aren't on super squad. I know but, what you're but talking you, about. You're with eleven of of some of the greatest shooters in the country, and so everybody just has a slightly different way of thinking about things, and so you just if you do take a step back and, and, and watch, you can, uh, you can learn a lot, which helps you, in my opinion, helps you evolve as a shooter. Right. Did, um, have you talked to Steve Anderson anymore about the mental game in nationals like that? Um, we talked, uh, I think a little bit before nationals last year, maybe just mm-hmm. a brief little conversation. Um, but we, we haven't, uh, touched base a ton. Right. Oh, you know, you've come close a lot. You've been up there in the top 10, Pretty much almost everything, every time I can remember. How, how close have you been to the top before? I have been uh, fifth twice. Fifth twice. Do you see the your game changing to be more up towards the, the top three? Or is it is it is, is, there, is there a wall? Where you at? I definitely think I still have fuel in okay. the tank. Okay. Um, I just turned 38, and I can definitely tell the body is changing from mm-hmm. all of those injuries of racing motorcycles. So I have a short window to get it done. Right. Um, but I definitely think I still have some fuel left in the tank. Do you think being able to work with your new team based on the experience you have, you know, the way Mel trains, the way Travis trains, have y'all had time to get together yet to see what you can blend? <laughs> we haven't had a chance to get together. We were hoping to try to do that before nationals. That mm-hmm. did not work. Um, we're going to hopefully try to do something early next year, get together. Uh, it might be back down here at uh, CMP, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we're going to try to see if there is uh, something that we can we can do to help. Not a knowledge in the shoot. I mean, David Lyle, he's a hell of a shooter himself. He is a hell of a shooter. He is a correct. great shooter. I met yeah. him in South Carolina one time. I was like... Who is this guy? <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. And he's building the guns as well. So, you know, what's next for you? You know, where are you at? You got a kid now. You're, you're happily married. Everything's going great. You're traveling now. You know, your son would be shooting still challenge probably in what, six months to a year. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I 
when he's two. You know, I mean, you when, start him young, right? When do you want to start your son shooting? Do you want to start your son shooting? Uh, yes, we will absolutely introduce him into guns very early. So um, you're you're changing the way it was the way you were raised. Yep. You're making a statement to say we're going to do it different. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, he he will ride motorcycles as well. Are you going to get on the motorcycle path? Yep. He's he's. I don't know that I'm going to let him race, but I am going to. I'm definitely going to let him ride. There's a lot of dexterity, hand-eye coordination that can be obtained from riding, and yeah. so I'm going. I will. I will definitely let him ride. Um, how does How does Christy feel about that? She's all for it. Okay. Yep. What does she do that's so adrenaline rushing? Because she seems to be behind all this stuff. Is he? She have a history of just like okay, let's rock and roll. Or where, where's she at there? She uh, she's about having a good time. Okay, and Wonderful. so um, so I I, I naturally that's great. I, I don't I don't race anymore. Right. And um, when I was going through my divorce, I uh, I bought a Harley Street Glide. Okay. And so it's basically, if anybody doesn't know what that is, you can Google it. But yep. it's basically a lazy boy on wheels. I had a Goldwing. Right. Yeah. Right. I had a Goldwing and with zero miles on it and learned it was my first motorcycle, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so you bought a lazy boy and learned to ride it. I bought an 1800 Goldwing. Yep. From, it is a 2014 model. It sat in my driveway six months on how to start and stop the damn thing. And when I sold it, it had 67,000 miles on it. I was done. Yep. <laughs> Zach was five or six. And it was one of those things I just didn't ride anymore because of Zach. Yep. So, but I got it out of my system. <laughs> well, Christy grew up riding on motorcycles with her dad. Oh, okay. So she had the adrenaline from dad. Then. Yeah. That makes more sense. And okay. so she had never been on a bike with anyone but dad. Okay. And so after we started dating and she found out I had a motorcycle, that was something that we shared. I mean, okay. there were plenty of times that I would come home from the office and she'd had a bad day at work and she's get got the, helmets sitting on the island in the kitchen. And she's on like, the bike and go. I need wind therapy. Nice. Okay. So I've threatened to sell it because of Jack's being yeah. here. And she's like, absolutely not. That's okay. my Zen time too. I'm like, okay. okay. Wind therapy, gun therapy. It's a lot of good therapy. She's a shooter as well. <laughs> yes. She doesn't compete, but yeah. she, she shoots. Do you think she wants to at some point or just, you know, where does that at? Is she, you know, does she have to competitive juices like that? Um, She does to a certain degree. Okay. I think she will shoot still challenge as Jack's gets a little older. Nice. Um, David is going to get me a, uh, a still challenge gun, yep. which you have. I have got one in the back of the van now. Yep. Yes. So he's going to get me a still challenge gun. And I think Christy will enjoy shooting that. Cool. But she's got her own PCC. Or six of them because she's stolen <laughs> all of them out of the safe. So, I mean, she'll open the door and pick whichever one she wants to shoot that day. That's wonderful. Yeah. Nice. That's so cool. Well, yep. good. So what, what's next for y'all? I mean, how much, you know, you know, is the future, you know, staying in the, in the gun industry? Absolutely. Okay. So the retailer that I work for, um, the owner just sold it actually to the employees. So I'm wow. a, I'm a vested ESOP owner now. So, uh, I will be there probably for a good while. Right. There's so many different avenues of the gun industry. And there's a, a lot, you know, we talk about shooting sports and it's only the, the, the five to 10% piece of the entire pie of what's out there in the shooting world. Yep. And, and the shooting sports is where you want to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I still love it a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I, I backed off quite a bit this year from when Jax was born right. and that, that was a decision I made. I wasn't forced to do it. Right. Um, these are years that I'm never going to get back of right. uh, watching him grow up and he's grown so much already in six months that I'm, I, I, I mean, it's going to be great to see him evolve into, you know, a, a, an actual kid that can get around and do things on his own. Are you wanting to learn how to manufacture more yourself? Is that something that interests you based on the motorcycle days of doing that? Or you kind of leave that to the professionals? I'll leave thing? that to the professionals. I, I'll okay. definitely stay in the retail world. That's mm -hmm. where, that's where I live. And I'm, I'm 
I'm good at it. I'm comfortable there and I have a future there. So I'm good. Very good. Retail. Uh, yep. There's nothing wrong with that. I did that for 20 plus years until I decided to make myself money instead of somebody else. So yep. I've been there. Right. I've done that. Yep. So, well, good deal, man. Anybody else you want to, you know, you got a lot of great sponsors that are still with you. Who's all your sponsors just been working with you now? So, uh, naturally masterpiece arms. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been with Hornady since, uh, 2015. Yeah. I remember you been with them when I first met you. Yep. Um, uh, Mark great Seven. people. Yep. Yep. Jason is uh, a great, great guy. And the whole, the whole team there's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, there's Mark seven. Um, there's Techware, of course, yep. there's ISO tunes, um, gun butters in there. Um, gun butter just came out of nowhere. And they, I actually never up. used that them until, so cool. until MPA and yeah. David sent me some and I tried it and I yeah. was like, this is some good stuff awesome. out there. Yep. Very yep. cool. And then there's Seymour. Seymour has been, you know, Greg's been great to me. Um, super supportive through, through the whole thing. Um, I've never met Greg with Seymour. Is he getting back out to the, the is he going to do a lot more stuff with the shooting sports or is, where's is he at He's there? He's still supportive, you know? but they have a, they got a small group. Okay. So, um, he, I mean, he works a lot. I had no idea. Yeah. I've never, I don't, I've, I've never asked anybody about Seymour. I've got, yeah. a, I've got a couple of shooters that were hundreds HD gold. Chris Barrett, you know, sponsored yep. by Seymour as well, but I've just never had talked to Chris about it. So yep. pretty good company still. They're great. Greg and Tannis are just awesome people to work with. And, Wonderful. And, uh, um, I mean, he, again, he's been by me for a long time and, and very, very thankful for that. Where are they out of? Uh, Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Yep. I just don't know a lot about Seymour. Yep. So that's kind of cool. Virginia. I had to get out there and meet those guys at some point. They're, they're cool. They have, uh, um, I've not ever seen the operation, but you know, and talking to Greg, sometimes it seems like every time we get on the phone, it's an hour conversation, which is right. great. It's always good to, to chat and catch up and give him a break. And so let me ask you one other question. We'll get onto it real quick. You're shooting a, a, a pretty much a gun that doesn't have a lot of recoil and stuff like that. But did you ever feel recoil when you were shooting because of your, um, accidents in the past? Um, I don't, I don't ever feel it. What I do notice is because my left arm is my support arm. I'm right-handed because I have to focus a lot more on support hand grip than probably almost all the other shooters do. So when you see a stage that's weak handed, just like, oh, (laughs) correct. I, uh, that was a bleep. If you didn't, that, yeah. was a, just, that was another way for bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah. But is that yes. how you feel? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. of the injuries, weekend is it's uh, not ideal for me. Do you practice weekend because of it to try to? Or, I, I do. Or is it dangerous with the reek? Because you got I don't know how many. I'm sure you make TSA have more issues when you go through radar metal detectors than you do with your guns. Well, I have a card <laughs> I carry with me. So really? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So got if, a card if it, carrying metal. If it goes off, they're like, "What's this?" And I'm like, "It's all right here." Wow. And then they see the scars and they're like, okay. <laughs> and the card tells them what's where. And, and so, yeah. Wow. Yep. So going to concerts or anything else is a little bit more of a hassle. <laughs> it can be. It can be. It's like, no, I'm standing over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yep. Yeah. So wow. It's so, good. Yeah. I was just curious because it just took me back to that of an injury. If that makes a difference, you know, I'm wondering, wondering how that's going to be as you get older. You know, we don't. Bad. You know, okay. Curious. I was just curious because I know I've gotten older and it just sucks. But I was just curious what it's going to be like with kind of injuries like that. So it can be a lot worse, huh? And it's only going to be, I mean, Drummond knows kind of, Drummond used to race motorcycles too. And, and okay. he's got bad knees. I haven't had an ACL in my right knee since 2006. So I wear knee braces. Okay. As most people that know me always see me in knee braces. Mm-hmm. And uh, we shot a stage in zone C today and uh, squatting down, shooting four targets through a low port, standing up was like, oh, yeah, okay, that hurts. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's just, they still get to that. Pro- do you see her? Do you ever see yourself training one day? I've had people ask. Um, and it's still a little shocking that people are like, hey, we want to, we want to come take a class from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I could potentially see myself doing that a little bit. 
not full time, but you know, a class here and there, I could, I could see myself doing right. it. Cause there's a, you know, being in your position, there's gotta be something different about your shooting style yep. that could teach other people. And that's what it's all about. Cause that's why there's so many great trainers out there. Cause if you don't like the way Stager does it, you may like the way JJ does it. You don't like the way JJ does it. You like the way um, Travis does it. There's different flavors for everybody. Correct. On training. Yep. And even Mel being a coach yep. as well. Mel has a different shooting style. He and, does. And it's, 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 you know, going back to, you mentioned the whole super squad thing. We, we all might shoot a stage very similar, mm -hmm. but we all shoot it differently at the same time. Right. We're all, you know, I mean, like Casey is a madman on the trigger. Right. Like, and he shoots points like crazy. And it's just, I mean, transitions are, are, are nuts. And then, uh, you know, Christian shoots a lot on the move. That's right. And so everybody has their own ways of doing things. Yep. And that all has to do, I think, from Casey doing steel challenge starting off where he was always fast on his transitions. Correct. And then Siler, I've talked to him before, of course, his baseball career being fast and running. Yep. So it's all comes back and your, your spastic self, your mother said it, not me. Yes. It's is, is all over the, it's all over the place when you, when you raise gun yourself. So yep. have, you, have you, have you, do you still think you're, do you see yourself that way still? Does, does Christy see you still kind of out there all over the place? Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. 100%. And Jax is following right in dad's footsteps. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah, they got pills for that now. <laughs> not just kidding. I'm not an advocate for pills. Right. Parent your be a parent, don't be a pill parent. Right. <laughs> there is a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So now she yeah. has her hands full with two of us. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> no, that's that's entertaining. It's it's it is for me. I love yeah, it. I think you should go live at the household sometime. That can't be a good family story. Christy's fun. I, I've, I've had a lot of good conversations with Christy. She's good people. You got you got a good one there. Yes, I'm very fortunate. <laughs> I'm married up for sure. Well, good deal. Well, if anybody has any questions about Masterpiece Arms, about the race gun, about the details of the firearm and stuff, there's a good way for people to get in touch with you. So I'm on almost all the normal social media outlets, mm -hmm. uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. Feel free to reach out anytime. Um, if I don't respond right away, I might be buried in a meeting at work, but I will definitely get back to you guys and answer all your questions. And that's at Andrew Hyder? Correct. Cool. Good yep. deal. Anything else we haven't talked about? I think we've about covered it. Well, that's a pretty cool pass today. <laughs> Thanks for sharing some of your personal stuff with me about that because um, I like how you um, just owned up to it. Like, oh, it's going to be bad when I get older. And that's oh, it's going to be. That's yes. something you have to face now. Yep. Yep. And you've got a great attitude. On, I've always seen you out there on the range. You've got a great attitude. You know, you've gone through different cycles of the shooting sports, just like anybody else. And you've learned yep. what people appreciate about you. And you learned what you got to work on yourself about yourself. But I think you've identified things that you've made yourself a better shooter, companion and um, competitor and everything else. And I so, appreciate the kind words. Yep. I've seen a lot of changes. So I've only been around five years and you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. But yep. any questions for Andrew, please feel free to reach out to him. If you forget all that information, of course, feel free to email me at info at hundredshdgold.com and we'll be glad to get the questions to him and get some stuff out there. You've been sending a lot of great emails to me about the podcast. Make sure to like and follow and share and subscribe and leave five stars and all that kind of stuff about the podcast. It really helps out and it helps me reach more people and I'm just having a blast doing what I do. So so if you have any questions for anybody that I've ever talked to, please feel free to email me. And um, until next time, we'll see you at the range soon. Thanks, Andrew.